All right, let's look at the book of Romans chapter 5. Let me just follow up on what I commented on before. When these false teachers say, well, the first church at the beginning didn't have the New Testament. But you remember in the book of Acts, what did they preach? They preached the Old Testament. Peter quoted much from the Old Testament. But the apostles who were preaching had the uh, gospel record in their minds, and they, they taught that. And it wasn't very many years till they got written. In their lifetime, it got written down. And when Paul wrote his letters, that was to the churches, and they got them immediately. And it's, it's a real uh, misleading statement to say the uh, early church didn't have the New Testament. So uh, there's a, a very decided attack against God's Word today. And that is uh, very sad. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. We're going to look one last time at this doctrine of sin. Verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so Paul mentions several aspects about sin here. First, uh, he says that sin abounded and it reigned in death. Uh, Sin reigned over us. It defeated us. And the penalty of that was death. But that Christ has brought payment for sin and brought salvation. And now grace abounds much more than sin. As dark it is, the reality of the sinfulness of man, uh, the great truth of God's salvation is that His work overcomes all that sin does. God's grace abounds more than the sin. But there's going to be more loss than there are saved. So why is that? And it's because of the darkness of the human heart, the stubbornness of the human heart to want to hold on to the sin and not come away from it. To love darkness rather than light, as Jesus said in John chapter 3. Paul then starts in chapter 6 and begins to unfold a very important truth for the believer, and that is that now we have the ability to say no to sin, to choose something different than sin, and that that is why we're saved. That because we have God's grace of forgiveness, does that mean, he asked the question, he says, does that mean we just continue in sin? And that even produces more God's grace and God just takes care of it and we just don't worry about sin anymore? And Paul says, certainly not. That is not the point. That is not why God saved us. He saved us so that we would die to sin that we would not live in it anymore so that sin would stop. So that we would quit sinning. That's why we're saved. But we're in this process now of living, still living out our life in our sinful bodies, in, in the earth, and we're in a process of 
learning how to live out the victory that we have in Christ over sin. Let me uh, share this to put it into context. In Ephesians 2, chapter 2, 8, 9, with a great statement where Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith. You've been saved from sin. And that verb there, you have been saved, has much fuller meaning in the Greek than we're able to represent in one phrase in the English. It's a, uh, in the Greek, uh, like in, the, in our English language, in language, you have past tense, you have present tense, and future. And there's different words that communicate those different time elements of an action, whether it's done in the past, whether it's being done right now, or it's, done in, or it's going to be done in the future. And we have a different tense in the English, a different phrase, helping verbs, and, and different endings for each one of those. In the Greek, they have a different special tense that we don't have in the English that's called the perfect tense. And the perfect means it's all of them in one word. That it's happened in the past, it's happening now, and it's going to happen completed in the future. It's all of it. It's called the perfect. And that's the tense used in that word in, in Ephesians 2, 8. You have been saved. And it has the meaning that you've been saved in the past. At some point in the past, you've been saved. And it's completed. It's done. It's finished. But you are continuing to be saved in the present. It's ongoing. And you will be saved in the future. All of that is in that phrase, you have been saved. And the English translators try to capture some of it by the have been saved but it doesn't present all of it. And those three aspects are informative for us about what's been done to sin and our relationship to sin. For we have been saved, sin has been taken away in the past in the sense of the penalty of sin. And that's what Paul mentions here at the end of Romans 5, is that sin reigned in death and that has been done away with. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We will not die in hell forever. We will not experience a second death. That is taken away in the, in the instant you repent and believe on Christ with a heart of faith, that penalty is taken away from you. From then on, you are never in danger of going to hell again. You will never be lost again. That is finished at that point, in that moment of time. And at that time, you can say, I have been saved. Now, that final judgment has not happened yet. It's still future. But it, you have the promise you have been saved from that. That's the past reality. With sin, we've been saved from the penalty of sin. That's done away with. And we can rejoice in that. In the future, we're going to be saved from the, we're saved from the penalty of sin in the past. We're going to be saved from the presence of sin in the future. Right now, we are still in the presence of sin. In the future, God is going to, in the resurrection, God's going to give us a glorified body, a body that is pure and holy and that can never sin again, never will sin again. We're going to be delivered from the presence of sin, the reality of sin for, in the future forever. That's the future aspect of salvation that will happen after the final, after resurrection, after the final judgment. The present, though, is where we deal with sin still. 
we deal with still being in a body of sin and we have to learn how to access the victory that we have in Christ to have power over that sin. That's the process of sanctification and that's what Paul talks about in Romans 6, 7, and 8. They are very important chapters to look at for this. Paul goes into detail of this and he gives us powerful truths of how this works. And again, he starts off saying, here's the reality. Here is what God wants. The purpose of God in saving you is that you don't continue in sin. That you don't continue living a life of just sinning over and over and don't try to do anything about it. God's grace has come and taught us, taught us the reality that that is a mistake, that is the wrong way to go, that is death and destruction. And we now have turned, that's repentance, and we're now on a new road going away from sin. Before we were going into sin, now we're going away from sin. Now we're trying to not sin. And that is how we deal with sin today. And it's an ongoing battle. And it is a battle. And until we learn the dynamics of how we have that victory, I would submit to you that it seems to be a very overwhelming situation and discouraging situation because in our own strength and in our own efforts and in the flesh, Paul brings out here that we're still in our flesh that's under sin we're very weak, and it seems like we cannot get that victory. And then we have just constant defeat after defeat after defeat, and it seems to be a hopeless thing even, until you learn how it works. And that's the importance of chapter 6, 7, and 8, where Paul tells us how it works. And when you learn how it works, and, and you learn how to put it into action... Uh, it becomes somewhat of an easy thing. So chapter 6, and I'm going to summarize this. We're going to get to chapter 7 and 8. particularly verse, Chapter 8 is where it all is, comes together. But chapter 6, he just states in great truths throughout the chapter to say, this is the reality. You are dead to sin. You can die to sin in your daily life, and you need to pursue that goal. This is the life of the Christian, is dying to sin. It is not that you now just get out of hell and you can live as a going after all sin. You can live like a sinner on the earth, but still go to heaven and you just have a wonderful gift from God. And I tell you, that is the way a lot of Christians see the Christian life today. And that's the gospel being preached. You just come and believe on Christ and you can know you're going to heaven, and then you just go and do whatever you want. God loves you just the way you are. That is not the gospel. That is not what God wants. Romans 6 clearly tells us, no, God's grace abounds, but that doesn't mean you just continue living in sin to take advantage of it. You've been changed. You've died to sin. You're now following Christ. That's not your life anymore. You know that's death. You go and you follow the paths of life. That's the reality. That's where you should be headed. Now, so then we come to chapter 7, and Paul begins to show how it doesn't naturally occur through our human efforts and through our, 
and our normal thinking and our normal processes, it's going to be an over, overwhelming thing. Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it, it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Paul says sin is very deceptive and we're easily deceived. Then let's go on to uh, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. He's saying, he's speaking as a saved man. He says, I want to obey God. I want to turn away from sin. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in the law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul says, I'm in this great battle. I have, I, I, I've been saved and my spirit has been made alive. And so now I see the truth and I want to obey God's commandments. He says, I want to do what's right. According to the inward man, he says, but I'm still in the outward flesh that's still in sin. He says, in my, in my flesh, no good dwells. Sin is at work in my flesh. And there's this war between my spirit and the flesh. And Paul said, I continually did what I did not want to do. He said, I continually sinned. And I could not find the way to overcome in this battle because he was trying to do that in his flesh, in his weak flesh. And what is the flesh? It is, what's part of your, our flesh? It is our eyes, our ears, the senses of the flesh. And we could put it in one word. That's the real strength of the flesh. It is our feelings. It's your emotions, how you feel inside. And your mind is connected to that. But notice how he sets two sides here in verse 23. He says, there's the law of my mind and there's the law of sin in my flesh. And so Paul puts the flesh on one side and the mind on the other side. And in the chapter 8, he'll mention these two. There's the flesh and then there's the spirit. And he will start to interchange the spirit with our mind. And that's very key to understanding how God's power can work in us to give us strength over sin. And so chapter 7, he tells us the weakness comes and the, the weakness will be produced through our flesh. And if we operate by our flesh, by what we see, by what we hear, and what we feel, we're going to be weak towards sin. And we're going to be defeated by it. And that's what we don't understand. That's what we have to learn. And we think, okay, well, I, I'm just going along here and I operate by my feelings. Because you've always been operating by your flesh and your feelings and what you see and hear. That's just the natural thing for us. And that's how we've always operated. In fact, as we were a little baby, I mean, that's all we knew. And we operate that way. And, we, and the growth, the maturity process is learning to restrain your flesh and discipline yourself and, and uh, learn some patience. 
But that flesh is always there, and that's how we've, how we've always operated. And if we then approach the Christian life that way, we have nothing but defeat. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, what I, what I don't want to do, I keep doing it over and over and over because I've been just doing it by my flesh. And Paul learned the other way that we can operate now, and that's the key to having power over sin. And Paul begins to talk about it, verse 24 and 25. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Notice body, the flesh. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now there he states it. Serving Christ. Christ is the, the way to have the victory over the body of sin. He died to sin, his death and resurrection. And then we live that out through our mind as opposed to the law of flesh following the law of sin. Well, let's go on and read the first few verses of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. I think that word really is the idea of defeat more in this context of sanctification rather than salvation. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I think this is what he's saying and how it works. Jesus Christ came as the truth of God who perfectly followed it, showed us the way to go, and then went to the cross and paid for our, our sin debt and our lostness and rose from the dead in victory and eternal life. And then we receive him, we receive that life. And then we also receive Him to save us as Savior, but we receive Him as Lord to follow Him. And that's very important. For again, He didn't save us just for fire insurance or something in the future. He saved us so our life could be given to Him right now, from then on in the future. But it starts right now. When you're born again, you now have life that He wants, he, that now is going to be changed from now and forever. And that's following Him as your Lord, and Jesus as the truth, we begin to follow Him and we believe Him that He's always right. He's the truth, the Word of God. And so we live by His truth, His Word, and we access that and know that through our mind. Jesus said that in John 8 when He said, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus says there, a core part of following Him is abiding in His Word, because that's how He speaks to us. That's what He is. He is the Word of God, the truth. How do we know that? Through our mind, through reading God's Word, through memorizing it. But then the, the final goal is, and this is what makes it work, is we believe it. We believe it's the truth. We believe it's right. We believe it's the way to go. And therefore, in that belief, we choose it. That all happens in the mind. It won't happen in your flesh. In fact, at first, 
you won't feel that. And if you listen to your feelings that are most of the time sinful, your feelings won't feel that. The way it'll happen is through your mind. You'll say, I know this is the truth. God says this is wrong, and so I know that it's bad. And you go by that rather than your feelings. You ignore your feelings. You reject your feelings. You're going to be having your feelings. They can even be screaming at you, but you say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to follow my feelings. That's your flesh. And that's defeat over and over and over and over. The solution to it is now you're going to live a different way. You're going to live by the truth in your mind following the Lord Jesus. You're going to live by what you know in the Bible, and you're going to say, I know that's the truth, and that's the best way to go, and that's the right way to go in this decision. And that's how you then begin to make a different choice. And that's the law of the Spirit, verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so, it's the law of the Spirit. It's also the law of Christ. It's what Christ spoke. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What's it freeing you from? Slavery to sin. He says that later on in those verses. He says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. You're a slave to sin by your feelings. You think, oh, I just, I just have to experience this. You're freed from that by the truth where you say, no, I realize that's a dead-end road. That's nothing but pain, heartache, suffering, and death. I don't want that. And you turn and you walk away from it, and you realize that's the better choice, and you're free from that. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit will be helping you do that. And as you do that, you'll grow more and more in that. And you will grow in power to say, I don't want that sin. I don't want to go there. I'm glad I'm going this way. And it's a much better way. And I'm so thankful that I know the truth. That's how the law of our mind, the law of the Spirit in our mind, frees us from the law of sin and death where we have a change in thinking. In fact, that's exactly what the word repentance means. The word repentance literally means to have a change of mind. And so when you repent and believe on Christ and salvation, you are beginning to, for the first time, have a change in the way you think about sin and your life. And now you're, after you're saved, you're to continue in that. And you're to grow in that, living out repentance where you think differently about sin and you act differently toward it and you don't want it anymore. And you could get to the point where you have a power to say that has nothing that, that I want. I have everything with Christ, with God. And you know that, in your, and that happens in your mind. But now what you've got to be on guard about is to remember what Paul said, we're in our flesh and our flesh is very weak and it's always there. And if we become weak in our spirit, we become out of focus on the Word of God, out of tune with God, the flesh is there waiting. And it's that power still there. We'll we get back in our feelings and we can revert back very quickly. And I think it's a daily process. I think we get up in the morning and we're just in our flesh. And you need to be in God's Word and praying to Get your mind in tune with the Spirit 
so that you're going to walk according to the truth. And this is the process of how we overcome sin. Not by your feet. You don't live by your feelings. You say no to your feelings and you live by the truth in your mind. Now, there's one more thing he says I want to bring out. Look at verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He says... You can set your mind on sinful things, the things of the flesh, or you can set your mind on the things of the Spirit, the things that are holy and right, the Word of God, the truth. And notice, he says, wherever you set your mind, that is going to pull you toward that direction. In fact, he says, this is a formula, that if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to live according to the flesh. But if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're going to live according to the things of the Spirit. And here's a very important principle, I think, in sanctification, is that we must guard our minds of what we put our minds on. Paul's saying here, if we put our minds on sinful things, we're going to be pulled into sin. But if we set our minds on the things of what's right and of God, we're going to be strengthened in the things that are right. The key is where your mind is. And again, the power of sin in our flesh is much greater, stronger than us. And we need to be warned that sin is very powerful and very dangerous and that we don't take it, underestimate it and say, well, I'm a Christian, I've been saved and so you know, I, can, I, can, I can participate in this over here. I know it's not right. I know some things and it's not right, but you know, it doesn't affect me. Paul says it does in Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. He says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Because our flesh is so weak, if we put sinful things in our mind on a regular constant, even one time, it's, it can happen, you put sinful things in your mind, it will affect you. It will pull you to living according to the flesh. That's what Romans 8, 5 says. And if a Christian says, well, it doesn't affect me, I can handle it, then you disagree with the Word of God. And you're stronger than the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul said, this kills me over and over and over. And I had no victory until I learned this. And Paul said, this is how I got victory over sin. And I learned I had to stop setting my mind on the things of the flesh. And I think this is where the warning comes to us as Christians. And it's so important that we guard our minds from the things, sinful things in the world. Satan is expert at trying to put sinful things, get sinful things into our minds because he knows that's going to pull us down. And that can come from the music you listen to. Listen, if, you, if you're listening to music that has sinful things in it, it's going to pull you into sin. That's just the reality. And there's all kinds of sinful music out there. I mean, that, that's one of Satan's specialties. 
I believe he was created to lead the music, very skilled in music in heaven, and he then uses that for evil now in the earth. And it is a powerful, powerful force that he's using to, to lead people away from God and into fleshly things. It's in what you watch. It can be, it's, it can be in books you read, magazines, TV, movies, what you look at the computer, we've got to be on guard and realize this truth. If we set our minds on the things of the flesh, it's going to pull us down into the flesh. That's what Paul teaches us here. We've got to guard our minds. Our minds can be toward the flesh or toward the things of the Spirit. If we want to walk in power over sin, then we've got to discipline our mind and put our mind on the things of the Spirit and that will strengthen us to live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, the things that are right. Paul tells us how it works. And this is how we can have power and success and victory in living in power over sin and following Christ. In an evil world and in a body of weakness of sin. And this is why God saved us. This is how we're to deal with sin is renewing our mind, guarding our minds from things of evil that would corrupt our minds. Now, I'll, I'll, let me add this in. There is a point to where we can't escape all evil. I mean, that's a reality. The world is so full of evil, you can't get away from all evil. And that's where then this dynamic, the other aspect of this dynamic kicks in, where you don't set your mind on it, where you begin to dwell on it and get pulled into it, and you think rightly about it. You say, no, that is a mistake, that is wrong, that is a path of pain, destruction, and death, and I'm not going to give that any thought. I'm not going to be pulled toward that. You have to... Go through that in your mind. You have to work against it in your mind. It's like when Jesus was given the temptations in the wilderness. He had to quote, he quoted scripture to you work against it in his, to, of the truth in his mind. Some things we will encounter. I mean, that's a reality. A lot of things we're going to encounter. But Paul's teaching us here, we are to separate ourselves from sinful things as putting up barriers against it, that we don't give ourselves over to that and we don't set ourselves up for failure. And we should keep sin out before our eyes and our minds and our, our ears and our minds as much as possible if we have the choice as a way of turning away from it, knowing that it, it's a powerful thing and uh, we don't want to go down that road at all. And so that's what Paul says in Romans 6 to 8, is that we can have power over sin. And it comes through our minds being filled with God's truth and us believing that, setting our minds on that, believing it, choosing it. And the Holy Spirit will help us, empower us to do that. And we can have a, a power and a freedom to say no to sin and be glad that we did. And that's the difference of uh, a Christian life full of the Holy Spirit and following the Lord Jesus as our Lord. All right, let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you give us power over sin. 
I pray that you would help us to stay close to you and your word, to you, Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, that we may have power over it and not be pulled down in it. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your strength, for we have no strength against it on our own. Help us not to underestimate it. Help us to separate from it in every way that you want us to. And help us to be lights for you in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.